This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, December 18th, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. Should we pay those who are left out in the cold by globalization? Cato Institute trade policy analyst Sally James argues that so-called trade adjustment assistance has outlived its purpose, if it ever truly had one. The principle behind trade adjustment assistance is that, A, workers who lose their jobs because of increased imports or because of offshoring should get extra welfare above and beyond that given to people who lose their jobs because of other purposes. Its original rationale was that the losers from trade liberalisation, those workers that previously held jobs or obtained wages above the the market rate because we isolated the domestic market and prevented competition, that because they lose from trade liberalisation and others gain, it is worth it at an economy-wide level to take some money from the winners, that's consumers, uh, taxpayers in the case of subsidies, and give it to those who lose because tariffs go down. What's wrong with that idea? Well, what's wrong with it is, first of all, well, there's many things wrong with it. First of all, the people who lose their jobs because of trade are no more or less unemployed than someone who loses their job because uh, no one wants to buy the product that they produce anymore. Perhaps technology has come along and meant that, that you don't need as many workers, you can do it with robots. Perhaps people no longer want to buy a film for their cameras because they're buying digital cameras. But the effect on the worker is the same. They've lost their job. Now, that's unfortunate, but there's nothing special about people that lose their jobs because of trade. Unfortunately, the other political argument that's made, which is, yes, they're no different from anyone else, but look, let's buy them off anyway because it's worth it. We all get this benefit from opening up to trade. That bargain's broken down. Unions aren't really supportive of any trade agreements. They were neutral on the Peru trade agreement that just got passed, but neutral at best. And if they're not outwardly hostile to other trade agreements that are pending in Congress, and the Democratic majority has signalled it's not prepared to extend the president's fast track authority to negotiate new, new trade agreements. So without, if this bargain is no longer in place, it's not clear to me what exactly this extra welfare is buying off. Okay. What, how do these ideas play out when people try to implement trade adjustment assistance? What does it usually look like? Well, the program we have at the moment, and this is some certain elements of it have, have been in in place since 1962, the first time we saw this sort of program. So at base, what it does is gives people training because it says if your job is in a certain sector of manufacturing and that sector is, I guess, declining, perhaps because of trade as well as other uh, reasons, and yet a sector, say services, is looking for employers, the transition moving from one to another is not always easy. You might need extra training. So training is usually a factor. Uh, Job relocation you know, Detroit with the car making, if that is kind of a cluster and people are moving from there where there is low or negative job growth to, say, somewhere in the south or to, say, Silicon Valley where there's high job growth, that costs money too. So job re- uh, relocation expenses have often been a factor and healthcare coverage to cover people when they're unemployed. Matthew Slaughter is a trade economist who has suggested what he's called a new deal for globalization. And it sounds to me like it's rooted in the idea that some people just don't like globalization because of for fear that they would lose their jobs because of it. But it doesn't seem like it's 
in a strict sense, trade adjustment assistance because it's an attempt to essentially buy off people who simply have a, a negative attitude toward globalization. Well, I think I think that's they are coming from the right place. They are saying globalization is good. People don't like it. Let's help them to like it. Now, my problems are not with the intention of of what the writers are trying to do, obviously. But my fear is uh, twofold. First of all, our income tax system is already progressive, and people don't seem to be getting you know, um, with the trade liberalisation program any more than what they otherwise would. Second of all, it's not directly linked, as far as I can see, to further trade liberalisation. It's just trying to account for the perceived inequality that already exists. So I'm not, again, I'm not sure that it's really furthering this grand bargain that, that has, for better or worse, got us to this point where trade barriers have gone down over the last 50 years. So I'm just not sure that it's going to be effective. My fear is that people will, if you like, pocket those gains and say, yes, you've um, decreased the payroll tax for for relatively low-income workers. Thanks very much, but we still don't like trade. I'm not convinced that it's going to be a real solution to the problem that we have, which is partly because of people like me perhaps not doing our jobs as well as we could, which is people are still sceptical or outright rejecting the gains that trade has brought to the economy over over the years. Uh, you've, have you already, well, if, I mean, the worst part of it seems to me the fact that we've had it for 45 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It, it, the program was actually scheduled to expire at the end of September. Now, the House and Senate passed extension bills, and so now that this kind of a temporary reprieve. It's, it's scheduled to expire December 31st. Now, the, the House has passed its version of an extension. It greatly expands the program, quite frankly. It's going to increase the cost by about $9 billion over 10 years. It includes service workers up to now. Only those uh, workers producing, quote unquote, an article have been eligible for this assistance. It's going to extend it to service and public sector workers. So they're trying to increase the scope of this program and, and exactly who it covers. Now, that was passed by the House um, in November and uh, the it's now gone to the Senate where it's upheld and because of the legislative agenda, which is fairly packed, I'm not quite sure what exactly will happen. As I understand it, uh, Max Bocchus and, and Charles Grassley are somewhat uh, the, the two senior members of the of the Senate Finance Committee are, are committed committee are at odds about how much and how far to reform this program. So I'm not quite sure where we're going to go through from here. It seems at root that trade adjustment assistance ought to be a temporary program. Somehow it's existed since 1962. But even now, how much of the job churn that occurs in the U.S. economy is actually due to trade? Very little. I mean, it varies from year to year. If we've just had a, you know, a trade agreement that's passed and, and a lot of people lose their jobs, it might go up slightly. But generally, it's about 3%. That's one in 30 workers lose their jobs as a result of trade liberalisation. So it's a very small percentage of the total job churn that exists in our economy. Uh, it has been with us since 1962. It's designed to be temporary, and I guess they link it, as I said, to trade agreements. So if you sign a trade liberalisation agreement, say, with NAFTA, and they say, well, this is going to cause cause some job relocation, we know that, so let's put this in place for, say, five years while these transitions occur. 
Now, that might be, if we suspend the ideological problem that I have with it for the moment, on a political basis, that might make sense. But as I said, unfortunately, even if you made it temporary while there was trade adjustment or trade liberalisation going on, that makes sense as to why we've had it over the last 50 years, because every five or 10 years, there's been a new round, whether in the WTO or new trade agreements. So it kind of makes sense that we've had it for this long. The problem is now, when we don't have anything really pending, that's going to seriously liberalise trade in the economy, and yet they want to keep this program going. Sally James is a trade policy analyst for the Cato Institute. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. Read more on trade policy at the Cato Institute trade policy website, freetrade.org.